Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. Today, Kirstie and I are talking about equipment and how to choose the best equipment for the patient that's actually going to be used. So first, welcome, Kirsty. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. So as we were talking and getting ready for this podcast today, you know what I kept thinking about was like the treadmill or the stationary bike or the equipment that we've all bought. And I know we're not going to talk about this type of equipment today. We're talking about therapy equipment, but that sort of sits in your bedroom corner or your garage or whatever corner of your house that's really just like a coat rack. A very expensive coat rack, Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've all done it, probably, or some version of this, right? And so we're going to talk about today, though, equipment. You know, it's such a big deal for kids, and the equipment is so expensive. And so how to get the best kind that's going to be used at the house. So it doesn't end up a really expensive coat rack. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I know for the speech therapist listening, they're thinking, oh, gosh, this doesn't apply to me. It does because of all-com equipment. And so it does apply to us. It more applies to PT and OT, right? Because y'all deal with a ton of equipment. Sure. But I do <laughs> think it's important for speech therapists to listen and to hear because we do some equipment and you know we also are sometimes a part of a child's plan of care where the PTs get an equipment and maybe this podcast will help you influence that PT if they haven't listened to this about how to get the best equipment right how to get the best equipment and it's not always about what you think is best as a therapist because sometimes what is going to work in that family's the way they're set up, the car they have, the house they live in, it might not be conducive to what you think is best for that child. So we have to look at the whole picture. Yes. And that involves, you know, the team of people that works with that kiddo. So it really kind of just as a sort of precursor is, you know, it's not about us. So if we go in there with our agenda and what we think should have happen and what we think would be great for us, it's never going to meet the child's need because it's not about us, it's about them. So I think that's the first and foremost. I think it's very important to say it's our job as a therapist, whether it be PT or OT or speech for Allcom, to identify that there's a need for equipment. Mm -hmm. We identify that. We identify what we need the equipment to do ultimately, and the purpose of the equipment. But then it's really our job to expose the family to the different types of equipment, trial with the child the different types of equipment, establish the pros and cons of each type of equipment or each piece of equipment in that category, and then ultimately help the family to make the best decision for them because they're the ones that go home with it. They're the ones that are going to use it. And so we might think that a certain piece of equipment is what's best, but it's not feasible in the home or they can't transport that in their vehicle. So we have to really explore all the options and the family needs to be included in the process. Yep. So let's break down that last paragraph you said. So the first thing that you said, because that really takes you through getting through the best equipment. Kirsty just laid it out. She just gave us the outline. So here we go. Let's break it down. Before we even go to that that portion, I think it's really important to kind of baby step into 
the word equipment with a family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So before we even get to the equipment, you as a therapist are starting to identify, okay, I think we're going to need something. And you identify the time that you're going to need it and the rationale and the reasons why, why they need a stand or why they need a wheelchair or a stroller system or you know, AFOs versus an SMO. So I think it's really important to baby step with the parent because you don't know necessarily where there are in the acceptance of the diagnosis in that. How are they going to respond to equipment? Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot easier if they come to you and say, Hey, um, we don't have anything to feed him in and we try to put him in the high chair at home and he just flops over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a red flag. They need something. And then that opens the door for you to start having the discussion. But you also have the ones that don't know what the future holds and maybe haven't been given a lot of information about what to expect or prognosis. And so you kind of need to take baby steps. Yeah. So as you're making the decision, equipment or no equipment, or what does this child need? And you're writing the plan of care, you're trying to figure out is equipment needed? When would it be needed? And just because we can do equipment and you can write a letter of medical necessity and get it, is that the best thing that needs to happen? Just because, oh, look, hey, new shiny, that doesn't mean you just ask for equipment, you know? So I see this happen sometimes with speech people. They've got an all comm device in place, but the child is using sentences. And I'm like, so why are we doing this all comm or why are we asking for this device? Because this kid's talking in sentences. And I'm not saying that necessarily there could be situations Maybe it would still be needed. I'm kind of struggling with that. But I don't know. Every situation is different. But why would you need an all-com device if the child can use a sentence? Let's build on that if they're talking. And I think also the point you said about the high chair, some parents will come and tell you, hey, they're flopping over. But, you know, some parents won't. So I think even a PT or OT has to sometimes, as the child changes and grows and things change, ask questions because maybe the parents don't even know there's an option about a different seating situation. Or they're getting taller. What kind of car seat are they in now? What are you using? Can I see it? Can I come out to the car with you? And then you're like, oh my gosh, they've outgrown it. Mm -hmm. It's not safe. (laughs) Um, No, no. So I think we constantly are asking the questions, but we're also really in tune to the family. You have to be in tune to the family about where they're at in the process of the diagnosis. Are they interested in hearing about this yet? Are they at a point where they can take it in? And then if you feel like equipment's needed and you have to baby step in those directions, you're doing it over the course of several sessions, maybe, because they haven't come right out and said they need this, or you're starting to point out some different things about the child's abilities and needs, and it gives you an opportunity to discuss, okay, where we're going. So you're starting to involve the parent in your thinking, your track of where you're headed, and you're kind of involving them along the way. So we talk about personalities here at PDT and how everybody's personality is different, and we have introverts and extroverts. I think this is a really important time if you are an introverted person who needs to think more and process internally. I think you have to expand yourself a little bit and start externally processing so the parent knows and is part of the plan. Yeah. So really, just to recap some of that, the first question is, yes, equipment or no equipment that just can't necessarily be answered in one session, of course, but it can be answered over the course of the time of the plan of care of the child. But what you're trying to achieve, and just because you can get it doesn't mean should you get it. But then if you decided, yes, you need some equipment, then what and when and how, but what is the first thing? And then some of that comes from questions from the parents and and asking questions about where the child is and what's happening. So the first is yes, no, and then it's a lot of questions about what. 
You know, because you might think a new wheelchair would be nice, but maybe that's not the best, most needed thing right this minute. Or maybe they're not ready to hear the term wheelchair. Right. So you think that the wheelchair is going to be the best option. Let's say, for example, the parent's not ready to hear that terminology wheelchair. So how would you know? Like when you say a parent may not want to hear the term wheelchair, like how do you know? Help us understand that a little bit better. I think you got to learn to read people. You know, you've got to read facial expressions. This is what we learn to do as therapists. We have to be able to read a child's abilities and what they're able to do. And I think you have to be able to do the same thing with a parent and be tuned in to what they're needing and wanting. There was a little boy um, that we have worked together with through the years, Kirstie, that I can remember specifically this example. And I know a couple of years ago, you're saying, I just don't think they're ready to hear the term wheelchair yet. And I, I understood exactly what you're talking about at the time. For that example, how did you know? It was a while ago, but, you know, having discussion with the family about it and, you know, what are you using at home? How are they getting around? Well, you're having to carry him. So is that what you'd like to keep doing when you're out in public? What do you use to transport him? Cause he's not walking, really digging and asking a lot of questions. And the way we went about that was, um, but those parents at first kind of shut you down with a lot of those questions, not like in a bad way, but just like, Oh no, we put him, did. we put him in the stroller and he got, we carry him here and there. I can remember some of the conversations. There was no like mm-hmm. opening for you to sort of say, they kind of like, shut it down. Yep. So then, well, what do you feed him in? Because feeding mm-hmm. was a big thing mm-hmm. for this child and he didn't have a supportive feeding. So that was kind of my in Yeah. is he needs something for feeding. Mm-hmm. And I said, how about, how about you just, how about you appease me? I said, and I, I that's what I usually like to do. I'm like, I'm not going to push you to do anything that you don't want to do that you're not ready for. But I would hate to get to a point where all of a sudden you do need something and you haven't seen what's out there. How about we schedule an appointment with the vendor? They come in, they show you what's out there. He can try them. He can sit in some of them. We don't have to do it now, but you can at least see. Yeah. So you're just informing them of what's out there. I am educating Mm -hmm. them. I am letting them see what their child can and cannot do in them. You know, and I approach power mobility the same way. If I'm going to do a manual wheelchair for a child and I think they might be ready for power. But again, that's touchy because if you're going power, you're the parents thinking, oh, my gosh, they're going to be wheelchair bound for the rest of their life. Like you have to put yourself in their shoes a little bit. Mm -hmm to be like, how am I going to take in this information if somebody said it to me, if it was my child? I constantly do that as a therapist. I'm like, what if it was my, my child? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. And so I think a lot of times that'll stop me in my tracks and be like, wait a second, you need to reframe that because you would not want to hear that if somebody said it like you. But if somebody comes with, hey, let's just try it. Let's see what's out there. Let's do it together. I'm kind of like, all right, I can handle that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so when it comes to power, usually what I'll do is I'm like, yes, so you, you know that you need a wheelchair. That's what you're looking for. We're going to have him bring in a couple of different models so you can see what are your thoughts on bringing in a power mobility option just to see what he can do just as an option, just so we can rule it out. And so then a lot of times what happens, they bring in this power mobility and this child has all the freedom in the world to go and turn and do. And the parent is like, oh my gosh, they can move on their own. All right. All by themselves. And so it gives me an opportunity to open their eyes that something they might not have seen 
yet or thought that their child could do or thought that they even needed. And then I can be like, you know what? We're still going to work on walking. That's still a goal. We still have it in the plan. I'm not nixing that out. I still think it's important. But what happens when he goes to the Ashboro Zoo? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to that zoo? Oh my goodness. There's so much walking there. How's he going to get around with his classmates when they go on a field trip? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because he can do it himself. So our goal is to make him as independent as possible. We're not negating him walking. So that's kind of my approach. And it's more of a like, hey, I'm here with you. I'm I'm in this. Like, we're doing this together. So really where we are was um, we decided yes, no for the equipment. We've talked about that. We've talked about how informing the parents of the various information that's out there. And you're also during that process, you're driving the train. You're not letting the vendor decide, okay, yeah, this is what this child needs. You're the PT or the OT or the speech therapist. So you're telling them, this is what I want this kiddo to do. And here's the, you're informing the parents of the things that'll help this child go to where they're what they need and then the next thing we want to talk about with this is more educating the parents yeah yeah I think it's really important to again like I said you have to be able to read the family you have to be able to read the child you have to know what's going to work in their home environment what's going to work with their lifestyle Mm -hmm. is this going to be an equipment piece that's going to get used or is this a standard that's going to sit in the corner and they're not really going to use it and it's going to get covered in clothing and when it billed out to insurance it was three thousand dollars you know um that's just a really unfortunate waste of equipment (laughs) it is because i mean if the parents haven't bought in then they're not going to use any of it if grandma wants to hold the child when they eat even though in a chair they're flopping over and but if grandma's like I hold him that's what I'm going to do I'm going to hold him you know then there's no point in trying to find a chair for the child to sit in because they're not going to do that and medically necessary I mean yes he does need the chair but grandma already said she's not going to do it yeah she told you I am not going to do it he sits in my lap that's how he eats you know so as therapists we have to listen yeah We have to listen to what they're going to say. We have to listen to the fact that this child needs a wheelchair that needs a rigid frame, except for the fact that they have a Ford Focus and the trunk is only so big and a rigid frame is not getting in that car. So now that chair is not going anywhere in the community, which is what we needed it for. So even though that's what's going to meet the needs of all the pieces that need to be on that chair, we are going to have to modify and improvise and go with a folding frame because that's what needs to get in the car. Mm -hmm. Same with an all-com device. You can get the biggest and nicest all-com device in the world, but if the family's like, how do I take that out? I'm not going to charge it. I don't know how to program it. I don't want to learn how to program it. I'm not, you know, then you can't get a device. You can't get an all-com device. They basically told you, hey, I'm not going to program anything. Then you need to do something different because every all-com device out there has to be programmed. Because the next time you go to use it, you're going to have to wipe the dust off of it to be like, okay, like now what? Or find the cord. Well, I don't know where the cord is. We keep losing the charging cord. Well, if you're never charging it up at house, then you know they're never using it. It's not being not used. Gonna, mm-hmm. Not going to work. So nobody's getting better from that. Mm-mm. And you also don't want to pass too much judgment. I mean, I think as therapists, we kind of like, gosh, it would be so great if they could do this. It would be so great if they could have this. This would be great. This is what he needs. But, you know, until you walk in that family's shoes, I, I just don't think it's also a good idea to pass too much judgment because you just... Nope. It's just not our place. It's not your life. So instead, okay, well, they're not going to do this. So instead, we're going to do this. Like you said, the folding frame, not the rigid frame, right? So now you've got a folding frame. So now let's adapt and modify that to make it the best possible situation because that's what you got. Or you you threw out the word wheelchair and they completely shut down on you. The family shut down on you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, gosh, what did I do? Mm -hmm. And there's stroller options out there. There's stroller options that have wheelchair features. It's kind of a hybrid little cross between. It's a step in that direction, but they're not ready to hear that 
that wheelchair word yet, but you know they need more support than what's out there on the market right now that they can go to Babies R Us and buy. Yep. So you better start looking at the Babies R Us option. Yeah, because that, I mean, that's not going to support them and you know they need something. So you've got to step in that direction, but you've got to be cautious because you want the buy-in of this family because they're the ones carrying over the program and they need to trust you as a therapist. I can remember, and I'm going back to an odd come option, but I can remember working with a little girl who, she was three years old and she'd gone to a big Alcom assessment at a hospital. They uh, recommended a Dynavox. She had this big fancy Dynavox. It was all, all that. So she's not going to be verbal. She's never going to be verbal just because of the diagnosis that she has. And this is a long time ago. And so, and I was much younger therapist then. So, hey, where's this Dynavox? Well, that mom spent about 20 minutes. I think that was all I got out. 20 minutes on the phone. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't 20 minutes, but it, boy, it felt like 20 minutes. <laughs> it was probably like three minutes. But she was yelling at me about this Dynavox. I didn't, I just was like the therapist on the scene, you know, like, hey, mm-hmm. I kind of inherited the situation. And I was like, so her, she's got this Dynavox. Great. Sitting in school. This mom chew, bit my head off, chewed it up, spit it out and took my shoulders with it and all this kind of stuff. And I will never forget that and thinking, huh, I don't think she wanted that Dynavox. Like, duh. (laughs) Now, thank goodness I wasn't part of that team that evaluated her and I'm not knocking any of that part. But I learned real quick, like, oh, yeah, you... You, woo, I think a couple of steps needed to happen prior to that thing getting ordered. And nothing against a Dynavox either. But that mom wasn't having it. And let me tell you something. That device did not come to school <laughs> with that child <laughs> ever. And uh, to this day, I have no idea what happened to that device. But it was not with that kid. And she didn't use it. And there you go. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important, too, that this just happened this week. I mean, I have a little girl that we're treating. And uh, she needs to be wearing her AFO. But she's a little bit older. She's aware of what people think and say at school. And kids can be cruel, unfortunately. And she does not want to be different. She doesn't want to wear that big bulky AFO with those sneakers that she doesn't think highly of. (laughs) They're not the cute shoes that the other girls have or the cute boots. So, you know, I'm treading a little bit lightly because it's a hard age and you want to be accepted by your peers and not be different. And so I'm kind of meeting her in the middle a little bit and we came up with some other options. And do I think she needs to be in an SMO? No, I think she needs to be in an AFO. But at the end of the day, she's not wearing them at all right now. So I'm not getting anything any better at all. So if I can get just a little bit of improvement, I need to do the SMO because she's at least bought into trying that. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, for the past couple of months, she's just refused to wear them. And now she's been in nothing. And she's at risk of giving her foot some serious deformity because of it. So, you know, I... I kind of felt her out through a conversation and and she got very, very emotional when I told her she was really going to need to start wearing them. So as a therapist, I'm like, oh, pull back. This is not, this is not okay. Like she cannot be in tears over this. So, and I don't want that for her. I don't want her to have to go to school. Like my heart broke and I'm just like, okay, okay, we'll do something different. Gotcha. All right. Let me pull up a couple of things and show you on the computer. And she was, she's like, oh, I can try that. I'll try that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's the new plan. Are you good? Nobody asked her when she got things she has now that she would wear those or not. No. And no. she obviously so has I'm an like, opinion. Scrap it. We're not yeah. doing it. Well, that's the other piece. When a child gets to a certain age, you have to not just incorporate the family, but also the child. Their because opinion if, counts. Yeah. Because if they're 13 or 12, and I have no idea how old this little person was. She's that you're talking about to, there. Yeah. They're not going to wear what they're not going to wear. No. <laughs> so you educate the parents. So say the parents have bought in. Okay. They've bought in. They understand there's need for equipment. You've identified the need. The parent like, yep, but there's a need. Y'all are on the same page with this. So how do you help the parents make the best decision? Because I think it's important to talk about, okay, you're still driving the train because you're the therapist. 
yep, again, going back to personalities, some people like options, some people don't. They're just like, give me this one. I think it's really important to educate families in the process. So because you don't want to have them get something knowing that you didn't try all that was out there for that child because everybody responds to things differently. So I think it's really important to work with a vendor that you trust that will bring you options and go within the best interest of the child. As therapists, we have an ethical responsibility to be able to provide the equipment at the most cost-effective point for families and insurance companies. So we need to go with the most cost-effective. So we have to look at options. We have to rule out options, just like you do with assistive devices. You have to look and weigh three options before you make a choice. So we do have to do the same thing with wheelchairs or strollers or gate trainers or standers. We need to look at options because every child is going to respond differently. There's pros and cons to each different piece. And I think it's really important to have the vendor come in, bring the equipment, bring the demos, try with the child in them so the parent can see this is what your child's going to look like in this piece. Do you like it? Right. If they don't love it for them, then don't get it. Go exactly. back to the drawing board. And I've done that. You know what? None of these are going to work. You're going to have to come back out again. Sorry. To the vendor. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I'm not just going to be like, oh, well, you came all this way and the family's not hyped up about any of these. So we're just going to pick the one that we don't really like. That's not good. That's not good practice. It's kind of the vendor's job that comes with the territory. So they should know. If they're saying, well, this is all I got and there's nothing else out there, you need a new vendor. Call another vendor. Yeah. <laughs> like, call somebody else because there's always something else out there. There is. They just Look might on not Amazon. Be. There's always something else out there. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. And we're very fortunate. We work with a great vendor out of we the do. Apex area. So we're very fortunate that they traveled in all of our different areas and come with options and come with catalogs and, you know, come with experience where they can, as a therapist, you can say, I need for them to be positioned like this and it features of this, this and this. And they can be like, well, here's the ones I got that do that. And that's how I like to work with a vendor. And in the process, we're educating the family of, well, this one can do this, this, and this, but it doesn't do this. This one can do this, this, and this. It will do this, but not to the same degree, you know? And then it's an education process for the parent. Yeah. And having the parent there. Key. Mm -hmm. You've got to have the parent there and somebody there. So that means that you're going to have to arrange the schedule, may have to change your schedule up a little bit to accommodate the family schedule. The vendor's going to have to accommodate the family schedule. But I think having the family there and having them fully informed, which we've already talked about that prior to, but not just having them show up and like, oh yeah, here's the, I mean, you, there's communication that has to happen. A lot of communication, not just an email, you know, mm -hmm. vo voice to voice, face to face communication that's happened prior to all of this. I think it's already inherent in what we've already said, but I just wanted to say it again. Yep. So, and getting good buy-in and letting them know that, hey, just because the vendor's there doesn't mean, like you said, you have to get one of these things. You do not. You can wait. We can say, you know what? Uh, he's a little bit small for this one right now. Let's revisit this in three months. There's no magic answer. And that's what makes it challenging is you're individualizing it to each patient. And I think sometimes in the session, and it doesn't happen for me because there's less for a speech therapist, less equipment or whatever this involved, but I have been in other vows when in the course of that time with the vendor, other things come up like, oh gosh, well, you know, now that we're talking about this, this and this, gosh, in the bathroom, he really isn't safe in the bathtub or whatever. You know, there's other things sometimes that come up in the course of that. So I think you have to allow yourself a little bit of time and, or not be afraid to tell the vendor, well, gosh, now we've got a bath chair situation that we need. So I need for you to come back so we can discuss that if there's not time for it that day, you know, d mm -hmm. d do you think that happens? Oh, I mean, I, I've had it happen personally where we've knocked out like five or six pieces of equipment in one session. But if it Definitely. doesn't, they'll have to come back. 
or maybe you have to go do a bathroom assessment first and then they come back or something. I don't know. You know, one of the things that Kirsten and I were talking about as we're getting ready for this is just sometimes that whole parent partnership with a therapist, because that's really what it is. The parent partnership with the therapist, that's what we're talking about. I think it's something that you've got to learn and you have to really think about it. And it's intentional. It doesn't just happen, but including the parent and, and making them a part of that. But then the therapist also knowing that they drive the train when it comes to this, because you know what the body has to do. Right. And so you have to, you're driving the train, you're making the plan, you're the one in charge of that. But then the vendor's the helper person, the parent's the helper person, but you have to have the communication between all that. I think that that's something that's intentional and planned and it takes a lot of work. Right. It does. Yeah. I personally love equipment. I do. I love finding the right thing for a child and seeing what they can do in it. And it gives them like a new freedom that they didn't have before. So I, I find doing the equipment really fun. As a speech therapist for me, when kids get in the right equipment, it sure does make my life easier. And I'm not talking about all calm right now, but it makes my life easier because just the little little person you're talking about who's in the electric power chair, all of a sudden now they can get around the lunchroom. They can go sit at the table they can want to with their friends. They can do the path at the zoo themselves. You know, they can potentially, you know, run into somebody and have to problem solve that. That's all good language and pragmatics and social and all that. So for me, I, I love it when the kids are in the right equipment. It makes my life a lot easier. I have seen a number of children get power mobility and they go and they spin donuts. I've had to replace tires because they spin so many donuts. And they're like, oh my gosh, why do they keep doing that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, doesn't like a three-year-old tumble and roll around and spin and and roll? And this child hasn't had any opportunity to do that because their body didn't move that way. And now they give themselves all this vestibular input and they can tilt their chair back. And it's like a newfound freedom for them. And they're giving their body so much of what it's missed. I'm like, this is great. Mm -hmm. Sure, replace those tires. Who cares? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So really the equipment is, it's a means to an end for everything. So again, I guess I'm saying what I've said before, but you know what you need to have happen. You know, if you need that, how you want the child to communicate, you won't know how the child be positioned and what you need the body to do and everything. And so the equipment is just the means to the end to make it happen. It's a big part. It's expensive, but it's the means to the end. So nobody really wants to go out there and get a wheelchair or get a stander or get a walker. They get those things because it allows a child to have freedom or independence or move in that direction. So we're not just out there to get equipment to get equipment. There's a definite purpose for it. And I think it really helps to educate the family, understand the purpose, understand what it's going to do, explain to them things like, hey, the standard is good for bone deposition. What's that for? It's good for circulation. What's that for? It's good for digestion. All of those things are reasons to be in a standard, not just to get a standard to have a standard and an expensive clothes rack. Yes, there's a medical necessity and reason for it. Yes. Okay, so thanks for joining us on this episode of The Working Therapist. I hope the information that Kirsty gave regarding equipment and how to get the best equipment and how to involve all the people and the players involved in that and then how to also step into that equipment place will be helpful as you're treating your people. And I'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 